This is Before the Fade, brought to you by Streetlamp Media. This podcast is a family-friendly listen to some of our favorite songs and a deep dive behind the scenes to learn about the people who made the music and just what makes a classic so special. My name is Angel. I'm the son of a musician, and I played the saxophone growing up in and around Southern California. I've turned into a writer, director, and filmmaker, and I have an obsession with all things music. Specifically, what happens during and after fades. This podcast explores what happens during the song, before it fades out and we can't hear any more of that goodness. Stay tuned for the documentary, After the Fade, where we explore what happens during and after all the popular songs that fade on some really cool musical stuff. We sit down with producers, engineers, and the artists themselves to listen to and get the stories behind what happened after they decided for the radio edits to fade to zero. For today's podcast, we've traveled all the way from Hollywood, California, to the sunny streets of downtown LA, about eight miles from home base in Hollywood. So with traffic, that took us about two and a half hours. <laughs> Today we are headed to a, uh, a home studio of our guest to discuss something from the early 90s, a hip hop anthem by an A-lister, someone who went on to transcend their original genre and has uh, had a little bit of controversy this year. I have got an amazing song that I just discovered by an amazing artist that I want to share with you. And I'm going to ask my guest if he has any songs or artists that he's discovered that he wants to share as well. So keep listening to find out what our featured song is and what each of our personal picks are. All right, so my guest today is a music producer, a music composer, and a sound engineer based in Los Angeles. He's published and produced music for Universal Music Group, Sony ATV, Cobalt, Warner, and many independent artists and labels. He's a multi-instrumentalist, a singer, and a Cobalt AWOL artist. What is Cobalt AWOL? Uh, Cobalt is, uh, first and foremost, their publisher, but AWOL is uh, their new record label, sort of new, and they've been around for a little while now, um, but their focus is with independent artists. Cool. Um, so they, yeah, they help distribute their music. Cool. He plays uh, the trumpet. Yep. Guitar, bass, guitar. You don't play stand-up bass. No, no. Okay, yeah. that's good. Uh, good differentiation. <laughs> Synth, bass, piano, and he sings. And <laughs> I love this. I, I got this from your website. Uh, if necessary, he'll play all the instruments on all your tracks. <laughs> he's yes. like he's like Prince. He'll, he'll do everything. Oh. Uh, th- thank you. Yeah. Very generous. Um, some of the recording artists. You've worked with, do I have this right? Kristen Collins, Aaron Carter, mm-hmm. Emma Birdsall, Jizz mm-hmm. of Wu Tang Clan. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Rebecca Ferguson, Bad Sons, Wallet, Dirt Nasty, yeah. um, Skizzy Mars, and the Common Kings, to name a few. Justin Portis, thanks so much, man. Yeah. It's a real pleasure. Awesome to be here. First up, what are you working on? Is there anything cool that you've either just finished or anything that you're working on that you can share that's exciting? Um, yeah, sure. I'm constantly writing stuff for TV these days, and, and I do still spend a significant amount of my time with artists. What shows? What shows are we talking TV-wise? I do a lot of, actually, not so specifically shows, but catalogs. And so okay. if I were to look into the catalog where my music's placed, it's literally all over TV, uh, all over Netflix, all over Hulu. So lots of different shows. I mean, I know I have a weekly spot on the Ryan and Kelly show. Like, okay. They, use my music in the Olympics. Um, the Olympics? Yeah, like just, just, it's all over it. And most of the time, I'm not even sure where it's gonna be used. Recent projects, I did a bit for, actually, I'm not even know, sure if I'm allowed to talk about it. Well, well we can, we can um, always bleep the whole section out. <laughs> just keep it short, because one like five minute bleep would be. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just say it's, it's a documentary about kids who, or I guess it's a new series, um, docu-series about kids who wanna make it to the NBA which is pretty cool. Cool, man. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's exciting. Given that you can do so much, you produce, you write, you play all these instruments, you sing, what's one thing you think people would find surprising about you given that you have such a wide skill set? It's funny, you know, you mentioned all the instruments that I play, but I think that 
when I tell people I'm a trumpet player first, mm -hmm. that always surprises them the most. And why do you think that is? I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I, I mean, maybe because they see me in the studio setting and they see me playing all these other instruments and, you know, majority of the time I'm in front of the computer, you know, clicking away, putting the tracks together and mixing and, and doing all that stuff. So when I bring a trumpet out, they're like, whoa, you play the trumpet? It's almost like a, the Golden Grail, you know, or, or the Holy Grail, sorry. Um, when they see that trumpet, they're like, oh, man, we need that. I need that on the track. I like that. You I like know? that. I like the, yeah. the, the Golden Grail, the Brass Grail. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Called the Brass Grail from here on out. <laughs> there we go. Tell us a little bit about your trumpet playing experience, since that's your first, yeah, um, um, first instrument. Yeah, sure. I basically got a trumpet. I think I wanted to play guitar when I was really young, but uh, and because my, my father played guitar. And he wasn't really into teaching. He wasn't a you know, teacher, didn't feel like he had the time to. And so my mom had this old busted up trumpet. And so that's what I got. She was like, you know what, you want to play an instrument? Here you go. And I must have been, I don't even know, like six or seven. So I got this trumpet. And that's kind of how it started. Um, and my mom knew enough to, to kind of teach me, you know, C major scale. But, um, but I, I stuck with it. You know, I quickly realized that I loved it and, and I um, had some sort of like an act for it. And when I got to middle school, I happened to meet a really wonderful teacher there. Mr. Monteleone was his name. And he was really encouraging. You know, he was an amazing trumpet player himself. That just, he decided at some point he just wanted to become a teacher and he was an outstanding teacher. But he mentored me and was like, hey, I think that if you keep this up, Justin, you could become like a world-class trumpet player if you wanted to. And so as a kid- He said those words to you. He said that to me. And how old were you? Oh man, how old are you in like sixth, seventh grade? 11, yeah. 12, yeah. To some, some, somewhere in there. Yeah, What yeah. an amazing thing to have, uh, a, you know, someone you respect and look up to who's also teaching you, say to you at such a young age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of the moment, I, I guess, that you're just like, oh, wow, like, okay, cool. Like, I'll do that. I want to do this. Yeah. Yeah, he introduced me to some other folks in the city that were teaching, uh, one of which was Neil Bernstein, who was playing at the Pittsburgh Symphony. And so, you know, I didn't actually, my parents didn't have enough money to give me lessons. And so Neil was nice enough to teach me for free. Whoa. Yeah. And then that led to me going to a performing arts high school for trumpet. And then, you know, the logical trajectory at that point was go to college for, for music. So, okay. I mean, it was for me, it was a pretty much like I knew I wanted to do music from very young age. And yeah, yeah. trumpet was the catalyst for that. I didn't know I would end up composing music at all. That's like a whole nother story. Yeah. yeah. I almost wonder if when when you meet people who you're in a recording setting with who are surprised about you playing trumpet, if they if they haven't encountered most of the people who produce for them starting on the piano. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. it's such, um, uh, so I grew up playing the saxophone and like the trumpet, it's it's a linear instrument and you are I use the term linear here like to try to attempt to explain that on a saxophone or trumpet, so you generally only play one note at a time. Whereas on a piano or a guitar, you can play multiple notes at a time. Only playing one note at a time, you would then play a subsequent note that's either higher or lower quote-unquote, in a line, thus linear. Whereas on a piano, you can play chords and all sorts of notes at the same time. woodwind beginners or people who begin on the woodwinds would then go on to produce because it's a different, more expansive, integrative musical theory, like, um, process. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, who's, I don't know, you know, it'd be really interesting to collect some data on that, but yeah. I, I, I we think have, I would do, agree. Do I we mean, have someone to collect data? We don't have this, no, we don't have... Our producer is pointing. She'll collect the data on that. She's going to run a, a peer-reviewed placebo. Yeah, but I think I think it's it's super interesting though. It's an interesting question because everybody just uses a keyboard to produce, and you don't even need to know how to play an instrument now. You just yeah, they got chord packs. You just right. pick the chord progression. You literally drag and drop. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't compose that way, but a lot of a lot of kids today, that's how they that's how they write. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how music changes over the next 30 years because of that. Oh, yeah. Because, you yeah. know, you grew up, um, it, was, it was mostly analog, you know, with the woodwind, yeah. with the trumpet. You're, there's no, like, digital trumpet. Not There's, you know, electronic saxophone, but that's still, right. like, oh. pretty linear. Right, yeah. So we had to earn anything we got. There was no chord packs. There was no drag and drop. Yeah, or pretty much take, take it to memory, too, right? Yeah. You know, when I, I remember, you know, when I first started playing with bands, um, you know, before you go to the studio, you learn the track together or you would write the song together. Yep. And then you wouldn't go to the studio until you were absolutely sure that everybody was ready, everybody was locked. And when you got there, 
the engineers would set everything up to make sure it sounded great, and they would hit record, and that was it. And now, you know, you have infinite, you know, amounts of, of, of time to go back and change, 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 and, and shape, and um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, not that people still don't do it that way, but most people don't, right, yeah, when, you, when you write yeah. music, yeah. So I, I gotta, um, just, just real quick, so when we showed up to Justin's place today to record with him, he was under the impression that he was recording for us and me and my producer would be talking through this podcast. So I just got to say thank you again, man, for like being one so willing to jump in and be like, oh, I'm, I'm the guest. And then, you know, having such a wide breadth of knowledge and ability to articulate some really cool stuff so far. Well, I appreciate um, that. I mean, I'm, I'm humbled and, and, and glad to be able to be a part of this. Yeah. Cool. So um, since you probably didn't, you weren't prepared for this, I'm going to ask it anyway, but we'll see what happens. Do you have any new artists or any new song that you've discovered that you would want to share? There's a there's a mutual artist who is near and dear to my heart. Who actually, um, I wrote quite a few tracks with, but he passed away recently. Oh man, and I'm so, so sorry. But I think I feel like it would be really nice for her to um, hear this track, and and you know, I, don't know, I mean, I know that's kind of like kind of a bummer, but no, but it's an amazing. So I think it's an amazing track, and um, actually, it was used on uh, Twitch TV. You know, and I thought he, he's you know, he's an amazing artist, and um, but yeah, that, that'd be cool to share. Yeah, you know, what's his name? Yeah, um, his name is Ethan Ardlon. Ethan Ardlon. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's a, at some point in my career, I, I was a teacher, and um, uh, yeah, so seeing him come up, and then finding out he was had a love of music, and then I was like, show me your stuff, and he was so good, and so I was like, you got to come to the studio, and let's write some music, and we did. And it was great. And I thought we were going to do so much more. And that's oh, that's man. a sad thing. It's heartbreaking. Know? But I would love to share that piece because... Yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah it's, definitely. It's, it's, Let's... So the track's called My Throne. My Throne, and, okay. Um, and this is something you produced with him? You guys wrote together? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So he, cool. he's the featured artist on it. He's rapping on it. Okay. Um, I'm singing on it. And I produced it. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Quotas, yeah, I'll meet the quotas. Hundred on the gas and I'm floating. Hundred in my bag with some gold in it. And my bank account just hit ten digits. Sitting on the top now, new crown. If you wall up in my space, you getting boxed up. You looking like a full-time clown. Give up, son, just sit down. Loadouts on loadouts, I'm loaded. I'm padding my stats at the jab with the floater. The bag is so loaded, it overflowing. I can't even count it. This game must be over. They can never touch my That is dope. Thanks. No fade. No fade. <laughs> no fade. It just ends. It just ends. The keys on that, is that a sample or is that you playing? The keys is a sample. It's a sample. It's yeah. a sample of something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Is that a secret? Will you keep it a secret or you want to share? I actually don't know what the sample is. Oh. Yeah. Um, I use another piece of software to get, I, well, I use to get that sample and okay. I just was like, oh, that's really dope. Let me okay. use that. Um, well, yeah. Yeah, and cool. it's funny because I don't usually use samples. I usually just re-record something or yeah. play it myself. Um, Especially something that simple. That don't, don't, don't. It's just like you know, yeah. a couple chords. You know, whatever inspires you. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? just, yeah, yeah. Cool. That's cool. a whole another conversation, right? Sample-based music. Yeah, yeah. It's its own <laughs> art, really. Yeah. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I, uh, I remember one of the middle seasons of Game of Thrones. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. Cersei is doing her walk of shame. And uh, I forget the actress's name, but she's on Ted Lasso, and she's brilliant. And she's, you know, she's, the, she's got the nun's habit on, and she's got a big old bell, and she's going, shame, ding, ding. <laughs> and I was like, I turned to a friend at the time. I was like, Kanye's going to sample that. That's going to be the next song. And then he never did. So I guess I got to now because it inspired me. You should, me. yeah. yeah all right. Do it. 
All right, I'm going to edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> Shame's going to hit the hit the charts in two weeks. Okay, um, so I want to share an artist uh, by the name of Priya Ragu. Uh, I believe she's a UK-based artist. Cool. And it's a lot of uh, hip-hop and R&B, but this one track I heard on NPR, and it is, it is not hip-hop or R&B. Um, I believe she is... Uh, she's Indian by by like ancestry, mm -hmm. and her parents, I believe, helped her write the song and sing on the song. And her, oh wow! And her brother produced it. Cool. Oopsie, wouldn't you know, I botched a couple things. Priya and her family are actually Swiss Tamil. The song, Santosham, is from her album, Damn She's Tamil, all one word. She doesn't describe herself as hip-hop and R&B, she says she falls into a new genre. And I'd actually agree, though there are some similarities to hip-hop and R&B that we know in the States. On her other tracks from the album, definitely not this one though. Whatever it is, I love this song. I think this artist is great. Her voice is gorgeous. Oh man. The amount of like technical facility that she has, like, isn't it's it's amazing. Yeah. Just kind of hitting the chromatic half steps and all the runs that she's doing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow is right. <laughs> so that brings us to the song that we're talking about for this episode. In specific, all this right. is the early '90s, 1991 to be exact, is when this was recorded. The genre was hip hop, not hardcore rap. Not like pop, hip-hop, but like, I guess kind of poppy hip-hop, but like hip-hop. So, who was big uh, early 90s for hip-hop? I got LL Cool J, De La Soul, um, LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out, right? That was oh, a yeah. hit. <laughs> LL was arguably one of the best-selling hip-hop rap artists of the 80s and 90s. That was like, I mean, he's still, he's still, you know, acting, he's still doing his thing, but like, yeah, yeah. he was crushing it. So, he's been, he's been crushing it for 30 years. Yeah, I think <laughs> pretty much. I like, yeah. Yeah. Um, who else? We got the DOC, who is one of my favorites, and it's a really sad story about it, the car accident that destroyed his vocal box. Um, uh, we got Salt and Peppa. We got Digital Underground, you know, Humpty Hump. Oh, yeah. Shock G, uh, little known fact, Tupac was rolling with the Digital Underground. Oh, yeah? You can hear he spits a verse on same song oh, wow. at the very end. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, you didn't? No. Oh, okay, yeah. I have to go back and listen to that now. That's, so yeah, that's that's, that's cool. like '91, man. Yeah. And, and Tupac, I mean, you can hear his voice change over the years, but that's a worth that's worth a re-listen to. Yeah. Um, he has a. It's kind of when the synth the synths get a uh, get uh, pretty intense on all around the world. That's his verse. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, okay. We got Vanilla Ice. Ice Ice Baby was like '91. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Know? We laugh, but like that was a phenomenon, you know. Oh yeah. Um, we got Public Enemy, A Tribe Called Quest, Naughty by Nature, Leaders of the New School. Yeah. I love LNOS. Uh, a lot of these groups, because I was, so I was 10, 11 um, years old, so my older sister was into a lot of these groups, because she was old enough to buy the cassettes and whatnot, so I was exposed to them. And like the magic of having an older sibling be enamored with this music, and you not quite, I, me not quite having the facility to fully comprehend it, but knowing that she was enamored by it made it magical to me in its own way. So a lot of these groups have a special place in my heart because of my older sister. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Criss Cross. Oh yeah. Mac Daddy Make You Jump. <laughs> jump, I believe it was a Jermaine Dupri uh -huh. production. Um, but who we didn't mention, who created this song, who wrote it, are DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince himself, Will Smith. And the song is... Drums, please! <laughs> If you haven't guessed by now, the song is Summertime, off the album Home Base. Summertime. 
here it is, a groove slightly trans. Okay, Will Smith's current drama, recent drama, near recent drama aside, this song won him a Grammy in 1992, him and um, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Mm -hmm. And this song has kind of an interesting history. So it's based on a song by Cool and the Game, a song called Summer Madness. Um, and Will even has a line in here. He goes, this is the new definition of Summer Madness. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta believe that's an homage to Cool and the Gang in the original song. I, that's not a mistake, right? Yeah, oh no, yeah. no, definitely not a mistake. Um, so, the songwriters listed on the song, there's like 30 people. Because Cool and the Gang had so many members. Literally, I counted 35 members of Cool and the Gang, both inactive and active. Uh, Jeffrey A. Town, Will Smith, Robert Bell, Ronald Bell, George Funky Brown, Robert Spike Mickens, Lamar Hula Mahoney of the Out There Brothers, known for boom, 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 let me hear you say way oh, way oh, yeah. out, right? <laughs> Man, you're taking me back right now. That's, yeah. My, my mind is just being flooded in emotions. Wow. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's kind of the special thing about songs. You know, they're three to four minute pieces of, of, of music that affect us on a level that is more than intellectual, more than emotional. You know, it's, 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 it's immersive. They speak to eras um, of our lives, um, where we were emotionally, mm -hmm. the things we went through, the people we were with. It's, 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 like a, it's like a column of experiences that come back with music for me, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So good. I'm glad. So we got Boom Boom Boom. That's uh, the Out There Brothers. Craig Simpkins, Charles Smith, Alton Taylor, Dennis D.T. Thomas, Richard Westfield. Uh, the people, uh, the producers on the track were Craig Simpkins, Hula Lamar, Hula Mahoney, um, Ronald Edison. And in doing my research about this song, I realized or I learned that Rakim um, was offered this song first. Rakim and Eric B. Mm -hmm. The quote I found was him saying, you know, I, I laid down the record on it. And then some of the producers were like, no, that song's too soft. Wow. And Rakim, um, he had a he had a harder image than Will Smith. He had a a larger presence in the street. You know, it was a mm -hmm. different um, it was a different product he was selling. He knew it was a hit though. He's like, that's fire. That's a hit. They didn't say fire back then. He said whatever they said back then. You know, that's fly probably. <laughs> um, but uh, so he passed on it. And so, you know, the story goes they ran it upstairs to Will Smith, who just finished recording most of Home Base. He was about to jump on a flight back to Philly. Um, his voice was blown from doing the whole recording. And he said, I'll take the cassette, right? Because they got cassettes back then. He wouldn't have been taking like a, a CD or a reel-to-reel, -reel, you know, or an H-track, right? right, right? Yep. So he's got a cassette, yep. goes to the airport, flight's delayed. He's not going to make it back to Philly. So he starts writing. He starts listening to it. He starts writing. He writes the whole um, song in one session, comes back to the studio. He's like, yo, let's drop this. Now the rumor is, is that because Rakim had a deeper voice and was a was a was an influence on Will Smith. Um, Will Smith has been quoted saying he was a he was a hero of his of sorts. Um, the rumor is that Will Smith tried to emulate his deeper voice. If you notice on this track, his voice is a little bit lower than a, a lot of his other tracks. Right? Parents don't understand. He's like a little I, bit higher in his register. I did notice that. It's funny. You did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So he he claims it's because his his voice was blown out from recording the rest of the album. So he didn't have the energy or the vocal, you know, facility to get up into his normal range. And I don't know. Do you think it works for it? Oh man, that's a, that's a kind of have a question. I, I think I I think I, I mean, whilst I I love the song, I love the track. Um, I think I do like it when he delivers in his normal way. Okay, I mean? All yeah, right, there we go. More than than what he did on this track. Yeah. So it'd be really interesting to see if we could I don't know get Will Smith to do like a Will Smith version of Summertime. Yeah, bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> Rest of those vocal cords, Will. <laughs> Although his, his voice is probably deeper now. He's grown. I know, I know. He's this not like, that same teenager anymore, right? This is like 30 years ago at this point. <laughs> well, we can always dream and hope, right? We can, yeah. So let's see. Let's talk about the song and how it performed, right? So the album reached number 12 on the Billboard 200 charts, which is good. Number five on the top hip-hop and R&B charts. It was released July 23rd, 1991. The album, Home Base, went platinum and won an American Music Award for Favorite Hip Hop Album in 92. Summertime was the lead single. There are four singles off this album, I believe, and Summertime was the lead one, and it won a Grammy for Best Single in 1992. 
Now, the fact that it's based on another song, Summer Madness, by Cool and the Gang. First of all, Cool and the Gang was founded in 1964. Did you know that? I did not. 1964. And they're still active today. Wow. I mean, it's Cool and the Gang, though. I mean, they, how many hits do they have? How I many can't hits even do count they have? them. Yeah. I know. We'll have to do some of their songs on the... On the, on, the, on the podcast. Uh, and I'm going to play Summer Madness in a second. Speaking of trumpets and horn sections, I mean, come on. One of the best, most oh, tightest yeah. horn section, you know, of their era. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, who else, would, who else would, like, compete with that? Tower of Power? Tower of Power. Yeah, for, Tower of Power, sure. That, I am right behind you. I have every single record Tower of Power ever, ever put out. Oh, I didn't see FYI. back there. There is an impressive vinyl collection sitting behind me. I'd be willing to bet that... There's a Tower of Power record sitting on the record player behind me, I think. Um, but yeah, Earth, Wind & Fire, maybe. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Chicago came a little later. They were yeah. a little later, and they had, some, they had some good horn. They had some power horn sections. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Tower of Power, though, is probably... Oh, yeah. Uh, but were they even the, were they at the same time? Like, Cool the Gang? That's a and good question. Probably, because I feel like that was, that was the sound. You had to have, like, that 10-piece horn section back then, right? Or you just weren't a band. <laughs> I love it. You can't get up there with just like three guys. <laughs> Ten pieces. <on> the <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, so you're a Tower Power fan then? Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what are your, some some of your favorite songs? Oh man, um, we came to play. Come on, that's probably my favorite. Um, and then uh, what's what's the what's 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 that one track called? I can't even remember off the top of my head right now. There's so many. I got it. They were active in 19, uh, 1968 through the present. So they're four years behind Cool and the Gang. Oh, yeah. So who, who knows if Cool and the Gang influenced them because they were four years ahead of them. What do you got on? He's, so he's holding a vinyl right now. So I'm, I'm looking. So this is, this is, so Weekend Play is the, is the name of the album. And that's why, I mean, I probably listen to this once a week. And um, so for those of the listeners who are young enough to not know what a vinyl is, <laughs> how would you describe a vinyl? <laughs> it's funny because... When we talk about albums today, even here in Los Angeles, you know, kind of one of the music capitals of the world, people always refer to one single song as being a record, right? But if you talk to, you know, our parents or grandparents, if you say a record, you know, I'm listening to a record to them, they're going to think it's a, a vinyl record, you know? Yeah. Um, With like six to like eight tracks. I guess maybe four to six tracks. Right. Because right? records yeah. couldn't hold as much information. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so no record is is uh it's yeah I mean it's it's this how do you describe this I mean to to like a young person it, it's like it's like a it's like someone took a black frisbee, right and put it in a hot press and melted all the plastic yep and then there's a spiral groove on it that has microscopic indentations that a a needle yeah reads as it spins I mean am I, does this sound like I'm doing it any justice this sounds right sounds about right to me um have um, you ever seen a vinyl press. Yes, yes. Okay, how, how cool are they? And oh, they're, they're, they're like gold, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're hard to come by, yeah. yeah. There's, um... No, but I mean they're like literally oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. gold. They're yes. like solid gold, the presses, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. I, I just, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm remembering seeing one and thinking that's the, the precious metal gold. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think there's actually one here in L There's not many. There's a, maybe a couple here in LA, but not, but not, not many places you can get records made. Um, but, um... The bakery mastering studio, which is located over at Sony. Okay. Um, I mean, if you're getting that place has a, like probably one of the most beautiful record presses I've ever seen in my life. It's yeah, legit. Cool. But I mean, just a little side note. I don't know. No. If anybody's interested. That's amazing. Where is it again? <laughs> Shout out to the mastering or the the bakery mastering studio, located over at Sony Studios. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so we got tower power. We got the horn section. So we got. Let, you know, let's just play Summer Madness. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get into let's, it. Let's compare it to the original and see if you notice anything different. Because I'm assuming you either have perfect pitch or really good relative pitch. Relative pitch, yeah. Yeah. So no drum break to start it. 
that's a real base, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a that's an ARP, right? The instrument, I think it's an ARP 2600, 2700? 26. 2600? Yeah. You got that sound? Oh yeah. I can pull that sound up. Gotta turn up the glide setting on your synth so you get that. that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working on it on mine with the joystick earlier, like sliding into it. And it's got like a, a fast vibrato or a slow vibrato. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what that is. He's twisting a knob on his Moog synth right now. <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you think? One of the like coolest vibes, maybe, of the era. Oh, for sure. Yeah, hands down. So, all right. So, yeah. if so, if you're a music producer, which you are, and you're looking for something, you're like, you know what? I want to just like repurpose, for lack of a better term, or sample something, right? Yeah. <clears throat> is it like not genius to take some of the coolest vibes you can find and just like? lightly modify them because it's like a lightly modified version what will and dj jazzy jeff were doing right yeah yeah absolutely um i mean most of the time you, you kind of wanted to sound like the, the original mm -hmm. but then at the same time you want to sound a little different so yeah you know we have our tricks you know you can either speed it up okay right which yeah. i'm pretty sure that's what dj jazzy jeff did and, and will smith um change the key change the pitch you know you can bump the key up to a, a slightly different key um and it'll feel a little bit different um, and of course, if it's hip hop, it might be the tempo might not be right, so you might have to adjust that tempo to get it, okay, yeah. you know, sitting in the pocket that you want for your, you know, what you wrote. So yeah, you know. All right, kids, you got some tips right there. You there speed you it up, change the key, or slow it down, or slow it down. Yeah, you know, we talk about break beats all the time in, okay. in, in music, and a lot of a lot of producers love to take these old rhythm sections and they'll just cut out a measure, you know, mm -hmm. four bars. Um, and they'll just loop that four bars, or in some cases, they'll cut out a single snare hit or a single kick from the kick drum, just one hit. And that's one, a break beat? Well, they'll take that and then they'll use it, they'll resample the, the you know, it's part of the drum, the part of that recording, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they'll piece together the drum again, put it in a sampler, and then play that on the keyboard. So you get the same sound of the drum set, how mm -hmm. it was recorded back then, but then you're modifying it for whatever track that you're using. You know, at, the, at that moment. Sorry, that's my dog, Juno. That's okay, Juno. Juno. Juno's like, turn the tunes back on. I know. <laughs> turn that groove back on. If you had to define a breakbeat to someone who's like just getting into music, what would, how would you define it? So they'd be like, oh, okay, I can go do that now. So I, th I think, and or did you just do it? And I'm not smart enough to know that that's what you just described. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, so I think originally it, it's um, break the the name itself. I think and. Don't exactly quote me on this, but um, you're going on the record. So, Justin, Justin Portis I mean, for I'm all the other <laughs> music producers. Timbaland. I know, right? This is I'm a gonna, tip for you. Yeah, but it, I, th I believe that the word "break" itself was kind of the the musical break in the track, right? Yeah. I mean, in, back in the day, there were just a lot of tracks, you know, that were just full instrumentals with no vocals. Mm -hmm. So you could, you know, break a section up of that song and call it a break beat. But typically, if it's a song and there's lyric and melody you know, you have a break from that sometimes. And then maybe there's a solo that happens or maybe it's just a little groove that happens. And it could be like two bars, four bars, eight bars. So it's a, so it's a passage of time, not like, like a single beat, like one, two, three, four, those are four quarter notes, which would be like, the beat is one, two, three. Mm -hmm. One of those is a beat. This is like a break period of time. Right. Yep. between two sections of a song. Exactly. I understand yeah. now. My I, slow brain caught up. Fine. But then like, of course, you know, fast forward, I think people just will find any section that feels danceable or feels cool enough to put to take out of that track and then put it in a new track and then build a whole new song around it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, fast forward to now, what people do is just any section of a song that they think is cool, if they can isolate it, even if it's just a keyboard part or a bass part or the drum part, like they, there's ways where you can go in now and just isolate those 
individual parts and then take that out and resample it. So, um, but that all started with the breakbeat because the DJ would just take that break and then they would put it on the record and then they would only play that one section, right? Um, and usually back in the day, it was a very danceable section, right? Yeah, yeah. So then they would they would spin that one danceable section and then the party would just be dancing to that to that uh, that one section for a while, right? Um, I miss parties. Right? I miss dancing at parties. <laughs> like, we're coming out of COVID, right? And I miss going out. I do, too. I miss I going too. out and dancing. Like, I, I, didn't, I don't dance much now that I'm a little older, but when I was in my early 20s and late teens, it was like every week. I don't know about you, but I was like, where are we going dancing on Thursday night? Because we're going out dancing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you a little lesser known secret. Super Soul Mondays, every Monday night, you have to look them up. Because they, they changed the location, or they have changed the location. It used to be at Dirty Laundry in Hollywood. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's all funk, all night long, all dancing. Super Slow Monday. Super Slow Monday. Live band, and you never know who's going to come through and play. I mean, this is like all the, all the touring cats in L.A. Okay. get together, and they just jam it out. Um, some of the backup singers will just show up from whoever's tour that's in town. And so, yeah, check it out. You can follow them on Instagram. Amazing. Get your dance on. Super slow Monday. All right. I got Mondays. Yeah. I got Mondays free now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you, do you know that they're back up and running? Yeah, or? I think so. Yep. Oh, this yeah. is madness. I'm, again, I'm not. They used to be, last time I went, they were they were jamming out at um, Dirty Laundry. Okay. Um, but I think they moved. They got a new home now. So, but I'm pretty sure if, if you check them out on Instagram, you know, they, they give updates. Cool. Music so. to my feet. I yeah. can't wait. Yeah. I'm ready to dance again. Yep. It's good times. One of the tricks that you talked about, about like, taking a, a classic or whatever it is and repurposing it, I noticed the DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith is up a half step. Yeah, not up, up a half step. Yeah. That, uh, that, that, that octave climb of that arp, it's F sharp mm -hmm. in Summer Madness and it's a G. Yeah. And the thing, I was, I was tinkering around on the keyboard last night. I was like, all right. So they, yeah. so they changed that. Um, what is the actual chord progression on that, do you think? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I mean, I have to. <laughs> I looked it, it up. Take me a minute to figure it out. I think it's a B minor eleven. Okay. To a C sharp. C sharp nine. And that would be the, the original. Okay. Yeah, that'd be the original. Which, when I tinkered around on the keyboard earlier, I was like, that's a pretty mellow, easy transition right there. It's not a huge move, and it's just those two. It's just a vamp. Those two back and forth. Mm -hmm. You got any memories of the Will Smith song? Cause how old are you? You're 41. 40. Okay, so I'm 42. So same same age basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Will Smith in general. I mean, l so many memories, but I feel like they're all just kind of just, you know, blended together. Yeah. Um, and it's hard when I think, I have to really think about when you when you suggested this song, I had to go back and listen to it because, you know, I, who didn't watch Fresh Prince every single day? You know, when people are yep. age, right? So I'm just like that. The, so the soundtrack from that show is just baked into my mind. As it is all of us. Yeah, so, um, but a big, huge fan of Will Smith, though. But, um, you know, we were talking about memories earlier, or at least I brought it up um, when we were going through all these. We were talking about all these older 90s hip-hop tracks. And, yeah, I mean, I feel like when I think about Will Smith in all of his music, like, I, f I feel like I'm at my grandma's house. Um, and then a lot of the other groups you mentioned just brought me right back to the basketball court where I grew up. Because we would just jam out and listen to music. All those, all those artists, you know. And where'd you grow up again? Um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, a little neighborhood there called Homestead. Okay. So. Um, How far away would that be from like the Philadelphia area? I think Philly's about what, six hours, six or seven Probably hours is. from Pittsburgh. So yeah. not next door, but not, not next door, not yeah. across the country. Yeah. yeah okay. Not too far. But. Uh, so it took you back to the neighborhood. To it the, took the me back right court. back to my neighborhood. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know. Um, and it's funny, you were mentioning how you learned about um, some of the, those, those artists from, from your sister? All of them. Oh, my older sister, yeah. And as soon as you said that, I was like, it's funny because I, I totally get that. My brother had all the bootleg. I have a twin, but for whatever reason, he got his hand on all these artists. He always had his cassettes. And I you didn't don't know, know how? I didn't, have the, I, I didn't have that friend, you know what I mean, that could get me that. Because our, okay. our mom and dad were just not about giving us um, access to any of that music. It had to be oh, for like, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I could I could listen to the records we had, but I couldn't listen to any of the hip hop. Yeah, it was the know. lyrics were too explicit. They were talking about drugs and gangs and right. all sorts of stuff. Right. Same with my parents. Like, you're not listening to the Ice Ice Baby. And yeah. I'm like, but it's so cool. 
But my brother came home, he had these tapes. I was like, oh man. And then, you know, of course, we learned how to like copy the tapes. Mm-hmm. Rest is history, you know. The dual um, dual deck cassette recorder where you had to press play and record at the same time and play right. the other one. I know, kids don't know how good they have it today. They yeah, don't have to no. do any of that. Just hit it, open an app, boom. Every, sing every single song ever. Just, what do you want to listen to? Yeah, but, but the flip side of that is they don't have control of any of it. They don't that's have true. they don't have cell service. They don't have their music. You know? Yeah, that's true. They want to like true. change the platform. They can't take their music. I just found mm -hmm. an old laptop computer of mine that had like a thousand MP3s on it that were all legally purchased. <laughs> and all that money went to the artist. <laughs> and all that money went to the artist. <laughs> yeah. But if you didn't buy it through iTunes, iTunes has had a sordid history of like deleting people's music that wasn't purchased through them. So mm -hmm. I, I kept it on a separate USB drive and it was on an old laptop. So I was able to like pull it up. I'm like, oh yeah, I got control of this music now. Whereas if I had like Apple Music and I was, you know, yeah, beholden yeah. to them. So yeah. All right. So your brother had the had the had the bootlegs. He had all the bootlegs. So you were exposed to a lot of this stuff, or you know, he facilitated your like ability to listen to it. More like I I went into his room and stole them and <laughs> I mean I think I think he was into music but I don't think he knew how much I loved it and yeah I mean I I took I remember um was it Warren G he found out I had the, his regulate oh, man, he got regulate, that he, man. yeah he got that he got that album and I took it and I I ran that thing through I would just go on walks just to listen to it and um what else so many uh too short um the chron when the chronic came out, oh, oh man. man, yeah, oh man, <laughs> Snoop Dogg, "Let Me Ride" by Dr. Dre is yeah. still one of my favorite tracks, and I know that's a sample. I was gonna say that's very similar in a sense to this Will Smith track uh, yeah. sometimes. So yeah, I got to do my research and figure out where it was sampled from. I'm sure it was someone <clears throat> recognizable, but like what he did with that, I'm like, this is the livest like track gotta be of the of the era you know yeah. there's other things that hit harder had better bass but like if you want something light but still punchy mm -hmm. let me ride was it man yeah for me fantastic voyage Who oh that? coolio uh, coolio yeah i mean coolio, and, and yeah and, and dr dre you know speaking of like the sample he was the master at taking these old funk albums and and these old bands and, and um mm -hmm. repurposing them yeah i mean and he had his the own Gap thing, band the charlie charlie wilson yeah george clinton yeah, I mean, yeah. you should say he is the master still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Shout but, out Dre, he's still yeah. the master. <laughs> no, but but really, not like without any patronizing, he is. Like, mm -hmm. who else came and took that mantle and has done what he's done and can still do what he can do? Not the same way. I mean, he and not the same style either. Yeah. That the West Coast style was so smooth, and yeah. the tracks that you know were coming out of the West Coast, they just had a different vibe. I mean, they were you know different samples. I would say even like more funk and soul, mm -hmm. and then on the East Coast it was more jazz influence. Yeah, like yeah. Like right, you had Jay Dilla, right, and yeah. all, all the all the all those guys from Brooklyn that were, um, you know, digging through all these jazz records. So, yeah, it's interesting to see the influence, the different musical influences that the more if we're, if we're talking about sample-based music, you know, mm -hmm. um, that the two coasts used. You know, I, I wonder, you know, what phenomenon plays into that, because you know. We had mail, we had television, we had movies, so it wasn't like the East Coast had a had a lock on all the jazz vinyls. We had jazz vinyls out here. My dad was a jazz musician. We had vinyls out west. Mm -hmm. You know, like what was that? You know, why was it funk? Yeah. And these are know. questions that you'll never yeah. answer, yeah. but like they, yeah. they exist, you know. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Some of my memories of this song. Um first of all, this this was like a love letter to Philly, where he's from. This is like love letter to his summers in Philly, and it's you know, he walks you through what his summers are. He's honking at the honey in front of you, you know, Jeeps sitting on Lorenzo's, like, yeah. basketball court. It's like all those things were of his adolescence. So I, I you know, I, I recognize that in it. But for me, it's barbecues. Okay. It's backyard barbecues <laughs> and pool parties. It was just the light. I grew up in Long Beach, grew up in Southern California, so we had nice, temperate summers. Um, Backyard barbecues every all all summer long, pool parties, driving to the beach, um, and this song I think for me was an anthem for the summer for many many years, especially as I grew older. You know, I was mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ten or eleven or twelve when it came out. Is you know when I got a car and was able to like socialize on my own without my parents and whatnot. 
like this was a well-established song and I was like this is my summer song right here you know <laughs> yeah this is my summer song yeah. Um, yeah. speaking of summer songs you got any other good summer songs any good summer anthems because there's the jazz classic summertime you, right oh yeah summertime you know I, and I mean easy. it's it's interesting like what I'm listening to in the moment because um, it's all kind of about what I need to get inspired for like the okay. next project I need to be inspired for and so I've been do listening to a lot of newer pop music um, recently. Um, and then like the kind of film stuff I'm doing, it's like more like Philip Glass inspired or like, um, or Trent Reznor inspired stuff. So Trent Reznor, it's yeah. like, the, it kind of runs like the gamut, but. Who's Trent Reznor's partner? Atticus, Atticus Ross. Yeah. Atticus Ross. Yeah. I was just listening to the Social Network yeah. soundtrack and the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So good. Uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo so, so soundtrack. Good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Love those guys. Uh, Cliff Martinez too is another another composer I love. Um, Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead. Yeah. Who knew when he came out and he started doing orchestral stuff? I was like, wow, that I'm. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of similar to a little bit to Danny Elfman's. Yeah. 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 Um, progression. He talks about like. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being offered a, to do the soundtrack for what is a big... Peewee's Big Top Adventure was the first thing. Yeah. And he was like, I, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do I think he says he refused that job at first. And his manager, the story that I've heard, said, no, you're doing it. He wants you for it. And he's like, yeah. I don't, I can't do that. And then you look at him today, he's yeah. the second most, if not the most prolific composer in, in Hollywood. Yeah. Still working. Yep. So it's, it's fascinating how people, you know, trumpet players. <laughs> yeah. Rockers, like they somehow get into this, like, I don't know, would you call it more complex, more textured? Like, how would you compare like playing the trumpet versus composing? Yeah, um, that's a really interesting question. Um, I definitely, you know, like coming from having thought I was only going to be uh, either in a, an orchestra or in a jazz band or playing on Broadway or touring with an artist to kind of fast forwarding to my 20s and becoming a songwriter and then into my 30s becoming a composer um, where I'm writing all sorts of music and doing songs like um, definitely different different skill sets and I think you know I think that my my path to becoming a composer has been um, it wasn't really thought out you know and I like I said I don't know I mean it's a it's an interesting question very different career paths I think is, is what I would say. Um, How did you get your first composing thing? What was the what was that process like? Um, when I moved out to LA, I moved here as a musician, I, with with no intention of becoming a composer. But when I moved into this building, which we're in right now, I was in the elevator, and it was kind of new, a newly refurbished building. Let's say a lot of people are moving into it. Um, we're in the historic core of, of Los Angeles, um, so old building, and. I got into the elevator and I bumped into this guy who who's like, I'm just going up to the roof. I said hello to him. And he was like, hey man, I just moved in here. I was like, yeah, me too, new building. He's like, I'm going up to the roof. You want to join me? I was like, sure. And it just turned out that that guy was Ludacris's producer. And, and by the time we got to the roof, we had gotten to talking about music, of course. And we talked more on the roof and I convinced him to come back down to my place and listen to some music that I was working on. And he was impressed. And he invited me to a writing session. No way. With yeah. Luda or for Luda? Not with or for Luda, but it was actually for Emma Birdsell. Very who, cool. Who's, who is, um, she was a voice contestant. Uh, I think she placed on The Voice. Like, really beautiful, amazing, amazing person and, and just insanely gorgeous voice. Um, I know she's, she's doing her thing now. She's like a jazz singer. But yeah, I mean, the session went great. The writing session went great. And... Um, yeah, he invited me back. Okay, so back to summertime. Yeah. Uh, what's the most appropriate time to play the song, do you think? Winter? No, okay. I'll, I'll... <laughs> no, that burned my next question, which is the least appropriate time. 
Obviously summer. Come on. Summertime. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, summertime where? Are you at the park playing it? Are you driving around? Oh What's, man. You, I, you back in Pittsburgh? What's your where? where? Dude, Let's I'm get granular here. Yeah, I mean, I think I already said it. Like, I'm on the basketball court with this one. You know, okay. with the boombox. With my super like short. 1990s shorts With and like Reebok my, pumps. my Reebok pumps, Reebok exactly. Pumps, yep. Yeah, <laughs> kids don't know about pumps. My busted knees from getting knocked over on the basketball court. You got the knee braces, right? The Patrick yeah, Ewing knee it. braces. Yeah. my super thick bottle cap glasses <laughs> tied super tightly to the back of my head. All right, all okay. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's barbecuing on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's playing out of the out of a convertible, not a boombox. Oh, someone's car yeah. is there, you know. Yeah. I don't know if they had this back east, but West Coast has a large history of like trucks with like woofers in them, you know, like so many oh, speakers yeah. that the windows break. Yeah. Like someone's got that sort of like set up beachside and is playing it for the entire beach to hear. Yeah. Which now as an as an older man like really annoys me when someone plays music at the beach, but uh -huh. like in my fantasy, <laughs> summertime is playing while I'm on the beach with my friends barbecue. Yeah. That's it. All right, so yeah, least appropriate time to play the song. No inappropriate time to to play the song. Maybe Come a on, funeral. Man. I mean, especially if you're, a, yeah, maybe a funeral. Maybe a funeral. Maybe a birth room. <laughs> a birth room. Is there? Is that like? Wait, do you know someone who did that? Because no, be I'm hilarious. just like just trying to find something fun <laughs> about like like be... where the song fits in the world. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you on those. Those are those are good examples. I mean, winter, yeah, winter time. But winter time, yeah. When you're it's like at the Christmas table. <laughs> but then I still specifically recall trying to play basketball in the winter time in Pittsburgh, and you, you know, but then it lasts all of like three minutes. Can you realize how cold it is? And you're like, all right, let's get this boombox out of here. We can't do this. This isn't working. So you, so even though you like generate heat playing this sport, it's still too cold in Pittsburgh in the winter to generally play basketball outside. Oh yeah, yeah, wow. and too wet, snowy, icy. Yeah, it's, it's we get it was like. I've been in L.A. for 10, 11 years now, but Pittsburgh is, you know, seven months of winter, pretty much. Do you ever play basketball outside in L.A. in the winter? I haven't had the chance to actually play here, um, believe yeah. it or not. And, yeah. Venice Beach? I've been, I've been, at, but I didn't, yeah, haven't played, yeah. Okay. Get, so, getting up there, getting, you know. Uh, here's what we got to do. So, it, uh, as of recording this, summer's two and a half months away. You got two and a half months to get in shape. Let's go. Two and a half months to, uh, to acquire a boombox. With some D Done. batteries, yeah, a cassette tape with summertime on get it, my, like on get, loop, yeah. Get my my sweat sweat bands, wristbands, yeah. We gotta find you some some Reebok pumps. Get my fanny pack, <laughs> fanny pack, my tie dye. No, okay. we're gonna go down to Venice Beach and we're gonna ball. Let's we're do gonna, it. I'm ball down with some summertime jamming. I'm down. Okay, cool. We gotta get a whole playlist though. Okay. But I feel like you're gonna have a playlist by the time this is. By I the mean, time it happens, right? uh, let's see. We got like you tell me who you want. We got you want some De La Soul. Let's do some oh, De La Soul. Yeah. We gotta get the Roots, De La Soul, Roots, Outcast, okay. 90s. Oh, Outcast. Yeah, let's go. Naughty by Nature, OPP. Naughty. Are you yeah. kidding me? We gotta do. Uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, man. Okay, cool. So that that's our time basically. Is there anything you want to promote? Anything you got coming up? Anything? Any any shout outs you want to give before we wrap it up? Because we do have one last thing after that, and that's to figure out if the song actually fades or not. I don't know if you guys know, but oh, we're gonna play the end right. of the song and see if it hard if it ends or if it fades out. Because this is, of course, yeah, before we, the fade. Did we did we get a chance to talk about that? Like why? Do why you, they do, fade? Why do why do songs fade out? That's a good question. You're the why? music producer. Why do songs fade out? Because I imagine up until the advent of recording songs had to have an ending because you were just musicians and either run out of air or you stop after, you have to stop stringing at some point right yeah so yeah. the fade is uniquely tied to the recording industry mm -hmm. first analog now digital yeah why why would you fade well i would you know to get a little technical every song actually does fade out technically technically even though you know some just seems seem to end and then some have this very long slowly you know day crescendo we call it where it just gets softer and softer and softer until you can't hear it anymore and that would be what you know when you tell somebody it's fading out that's typically what they think it is but when you're producing or mixing you always have to edit and the the end of the the piece of audio and mm -hmm. so we call that a fade regardless um so every song really kind of fades out in a way um so it's just a smooth ending um but it's really at the end of the day, it's I think it's just always going to be what feels right when you end the song. Do, do we want a hard ending? You know, can we just end on that that one chord, mm -hmm. um, or do we want to hear the saxophone player play us out? Right? 
like we're we're still in this we're still in it and we're he's you know the sun's going down or something but we still hear it and then oh, we don't hear it man. anymore you know see, see that burns me up inside <laughs> that burns me up because I'm a, I'm a i'm a curious jazz saxophonist by by history and i i want to i want to hear what's going on i want to hear and usually what they're fading on in my opinion is some really juicy musical stuff mm -hmm. that might not be the most featured aspect of a popular song yeah but as a musician i'm like who is that what are they doing and why are they turning the volume down why yeah. why am i deprived yeah. of so, this fade popular music though like they got to sell what toilet they got to cut to the commercial break yeah that's why i say if it feels right you know because i do it too sometimes i'm like this just needs to like die out slowly because it just you just want to feel that groove happening at the end of the song and you just want it to keep going until it just like slowly is no more i don't know there's just something there's something that can be nice about it but i i definitely feel you though i'm with you i'm with you if somebody's shredding if it's like your favorite sax player your favorite horn player your favorite guitar player or even a singer that's just going off or something and you're just like you're like leaning you're like pushing the headphones into your ears trying to hear what they're doing but that's like, every but that's every popular power ballad from 78 to 91. yeah like someone is like, shredding or like wailing <laughs> yes. on the fade and i'm like yeah i want to hear more of the shred that's that true it's like they're hitting the highest note of the whole song yeah holding on for dear life you're like that that's the part i want to hear but ugh, so what i started what i started doing is yeah. turning the volume up <laughs> on fade. You start to unfade it. I start to unfade it, which, you know, depending on how quickly the next song comes in, can be really dangerous to your eardrums and the speakers because the next one comes in, it's super loud. Right. But, I mean, I started doing it and there's some cool stuff happening. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, this is even better than I thought. So I ultimately, that will bring us to the documentary, which this is proceeding called After the Fade, in which we actually go and find the original engineers, the original masters, and we say, hey, let's listen to what you faded out on until the end of the track, until you guys start laughing or cursing or whatever happens yeah. at the end of your recording. But I want to hear cool. what you faded on and what happens after that. Because, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of Prince songs that have radio edits. There's mm -hmm. a lot of songs that have radio edits from the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. And then you got the the extended version, you know, Sheila E. There's you know, Prince. There's all these artists, and you're like, oh, the extended version goes on nine minutes, mm -hmm. and it's the same one they play on the radio. And then you listen to the extra four and a half minutes, you're like, this just kept getting great. It was yeah, like it got yeah. crazier, it got weird. It was like super cool. There's like a new instrument. There's a solo they cut out. So I know there's magic behind there. So oh, yeah. we're gonna explore all that in the documentary, which I'm really excited about. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, this is a lot of fun for me. Um, so yeah, was there anything you wanted to? pitch or no th this has been great man it's okay been, yeah it's been really great talking. to have you yeah so let's yeah. find out if this song summertime has a fade let's let's actually do summer madness the cool in the gang version and see if it fades and then see what they did with summertime to i see. feel like the cool in the gang version is gonna fade out i feel okay. like that's what's gonna happen i feel like the will smith version is not gonna fade out that's my guess okay that's my guess i'm gonna guess the opposite Okay. I think the cool in the gang is gonna like have a big like bam and then cut, ah, and then right. Will Smith is gonna like fade out and be like yeah. All right, and I'm gonna go right to the end of it. So we just got a little bit of listening. Ah. So that's. That's a technical fade. Technical fade, but not not that, not a long fade though. So it's a technical fade. It's, it's an actual fade. It, it's just the song doesn't seemingly continue. Right. Yep. With yeah. the song doesn't continue. Okay. Yeah. So what are we calling that? Fade or no fade? No fade. No fade. Yeah. In the in the in the spirit of what I'm saying, like right. someone's shredding and we we want more. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Song's over. Okay. Summertime. <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince. We're gonna go straight to the end. Was that was that a double fade? The the music faded, and then the voices and clapping and snapping also then faded. I wouldn't call it a double fade. I would just call it one fade, and then they just. No, you're wrong. That was a double fade. Well, you can just 
stop certain parts of the music from happening or just mute those sections. Um, we got to listen again. Yeah. I know you're the professional here, but I'm going to challenge yeah. you on this. This was a double fade. Last 26 seconds, same, same spot. You're right. He faded out on that arc. We yep. heard that high it, note. It, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It was a double fade. The music faded, and then the whole like chanting, shouting, shouting party scene faded as well. Yeah, yeah. We, we played ourselves yep. on that one. Yep. DJ Jazzy Jeff and Will Smith, they got us. They got us, man. 30, 31 years later. Yeah. They're like, oh, you think there's one fade? We got you. We got <laughs> you guys are dealing one fade territory. Hello. <laughs> um, well, thanks again, man. This has been a real treat for me. You're a wealth of, of knowledge, and it's been seriously a great time. And I'd love to, you know, if you have the time, to come back and do another one. It's yeah, a lot absolutely, of fun, man. man. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Thank you. All right. Well, this is Angel. Uh, my guest, Justin Portis. Uh, a big shout out to him, and thank you. Um, what's the name of the Monday Night Funk Dance place again? Give me that Super one Soul time. Mondays. Super Soul Mondays in yeah. Los Angeles. If you're not in LA, you're going to have to fly in, and hopefully, COVID restrictions don't stop you because let's dance to some good music. It's hosted by this guy, Jason Joseph. Jason Joseph, shout out. And that concludes my chat with Justin Portis. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Leah St. Marie, so a special thanks to her for helping make all this happen. I'd also like to thank Kevin and Streetlamp Media. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be possible. Keep listening. We've got some great stuff coming up in our next few episodes. Mm-hmm.